welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing back, because we haven't done one in a while, and we want to hear from you. We're doing a mailbag podcast tonight. I got a lot of energy. We're ready to go. Vex, are you ready to go too? Tell the podcast. Here we go. How can I not be ready with this? unbelievable energy you're bringing right now let's let's do this let's go baby i just got really excited because i just realized again both of our calendars jam-packed and i just realized that i'm going to see you in the flesh next week oh my god i'm so excited and we got some cool things planned too so it'll be uh we're gonna have a little bit of fun let's go let's go a little bit of fun <laughs> uh, one up there let's go it means here it's gonna be we super go fun. galaxy here we go <laughs> <laughs> if you can name that movie, I absolutely love you. Um, okay. Uh, podcast today, mailbag, excited. Yes. Singular words. True. <laughs> Fun. Let's go. I don't know why I did that. That's how my daughter talks now. Like every once in a while, she'll be like, me, food, no, daddy. <laughs> I'm like, what? What <laughs> you're learning this at school? What is going on at those schools now? Um, yeah, but yeah, we are so excited. Uh, we have not done a mailbag episode in a long time, so we figured we love you and we want to hear from you. And thank you for so many people that reached out with questions through social media. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get to as many of them as we can. Hopefully, we can get to all of them. Typically, we do a little bit of a, a a time limit, so we only have like what, like five minutes on certain questions. We should do like a little time limit, yeah, so we can make sure we get through all of them. Uh, there will be maybe uh, a couple that are like one word answers, just yes or no. <laughs> I think with some of the questions that we'll elaborate a little bit more on, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, some big things coming uh, coming up the rear here for for the GMBM, uh, you know, brand coming up. I don't know about coming up the rear, but uh, it's definitely it's definitely, you know, dropping soon here like it's hot. Apparently stick with the theme. Uh, Yeah, my website is going to be launched here really soon, which will allow me to do way more of the calls with teams and organizations and individual players um, because I'll have a way cleaner back end. And it'll just be a lot easier for me to do that. And it's just it's something really cool uh, um, that I'm really excited about and something I take a lot of pride in is I always try to hire um, kids that I've trained in the past or guys that I've trained in the past or, or at the very least, you know, people I know, but, um, two of my clients, one of them, you know, a very long time client, um, they're the guys who made my website. Um, they made your website. They're, they're only freshmen in college, um, this year, uh, two just unbelievable kids from unbelievable families. And, uh, I was really excited and, and the product that they came up with for, for both your website, the hockey think tank.com and, and my website, gmbm.com. I'm just, I'm so excited to, uh, to share that with people and really happy that I get to work with, you know, all these kids that I trained with for years. So really excited. So keep, keep your ear to the ground. That'll be out soon. I'm sure I'll be posting it on my gram, uh, when I drop that. So. Well, Thanks posted, for the set. Thanks for the setup. Yeah, you posted a few kind of like teasers on the gram, your little Instagram stories here today. And so yeah, it looks really cool. These these two kids, guys, 
So these are two kids and we say kids cause they're 20 years old. They just played their last year of junior hockey and decided to go into college and they're phenomenal. If you like the hockey think tank.com website and you're thinking about hiring somebody to do any type of web design work for you or any kind of business strategy work, because honestly, it's not just them building a website. It's actually putting business strategy together. So for, you know, idiot hockey players like Vex and myself who have no idea what we're doing business wise, um, like they've, they've done a lot for us, not just on the web design stuff. And so, yeah, I would encourage you like reach out to me or reach out to Vex if that's something that you're interested in and we'll hook you up with these guys. They're, they're like first line centers with fourth line grinder mentality. Yeah. Would you say dude. that's pretty fair? Wow. Yeah. Like they're so talented yeah. But like they grind, you know, yeah. and that's like, I think like the ultimate compliment that you can give to anybody is like calling them like a Jonathan Taves type, somebody that has incredible talent, but just like is the hardest working person and, and gritty and stuff. And that's what these guys are. And so, yeah, shout out to the boys, Michael Wool and Will Marshall. Um, They, they killed it for us and yeah, like big props to them. And if you want to want any web design business stuff, Whiz kids, Matt Damon type stuff. Good Whiz kids. You like apples? I got a number. <laughs> what a line. Anyways. That was a great line. That was anyways to the mailbag. Let's do it to the mailbag. Uh, first, we have some people to thank Jeffrey. First, want to thank gel sticks, our title sponsor. Go to GELSTX.com and use the coupon code. Think tank one word and you will get a discount on your weighted training sticks. They're being used in the pros. They're being used in college. They're being used in junior. They're being used by the NTDP. They also have lacrosse sticks. They also have golf clubs. So if you are looking for a weighted training stick or club, go to gelsticks.com today. Vex. Also want to thank Train Heroic. Uh, it's the unbelievable platform and app that I use to deliver all of my in-person online and um, uh, I already said in person. So uh, I also use the app with my guys in person in the off season. Like when they're and with online. me, that that's how they log and train and in person and in person. And Allow myself to introduce <laughs> myself. Awesome powers. Um <laughs> It's an unbelievable app, guys. I actually got a text today on my lunch break. Unbelievable. Super excited to be working with another team out of Detroit, another high school hockey team out of Detroit today. So I think that puts it at like 18 teams now, I think, you know, so people keep reaching out to me, you know, any time of season, in season, off season, I will create a training program based off of the age, the skill level, the equipment available. Uh, time of year, everything. So please don't be afraid to reach out to me. It's super cheap. This is just a side passion project of mine. And I love helping teams uh, train smarter, especially in season. So thank you to Train Heroic. Also want to say thank you to Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition is a CBD company I'm with. Um, I take their CBD at least two times a day, every single day. If you have any questions on the how, what, why, when, of CBD, please reach out to me. Obviously, you guys know, listen to this podcast. I've had 14 concussions. So uh, brain health and long-term brain health and, and longevity in my health and wellness is something that I take a lot of uh, interest in. I'm constantly trying to do the right things because of my aforementioned 14 uh, uh, traumatic brain injuries. And CBD is a big part of that daily routine. So if you have any questions, you can reach out to me and ask or head to curednutrition.com and use my discount code GMBM to save money on every purchase. Discount code GUMBUM. There we go. Also want to thank Helios Hockey. Unbelievable product. 
And what Helios Hockey does is they give you a sensor that you put in your shoulder pads and you get real-time feedback on things like your stride, your stride mechanics. And also they have a thing called a hustle score and it can tell, especially for the young kids, I think this is amazing. Like it's a hustle score. So, you know, how often are you moving on the ice and and how hard is, how hard are you working? Really, really, really cool. But the best part about it is it hooks up with live barn. It hooks up with whatever you camera you are using to film the games and it cuts your shifts instantly for you right after the game, you get in the locker room instantly. Boom. All of your shifts cut up. No, no more VHS. Like we had Vex. No more VHS. Rewind, rewind, fast forward, fast forward, rewind, rewind, fast forward, fast forward. No, right there. Shifts cut right for you. So awesome, awesome product, awesome service. We have teamed up with them. And because you are a hockey think tank loyal listener, we have a coupon code, which is think tank one word. And this will give all new Helios members 20% off their initial 12 month membership. And you will also get that little sensor to put in your shoulder pads for free. So really, really, really loving this partnership. They're going to come out with some pretty cool stats that they've been able to do. Uh, Don't want to spoil the surprise for them, but uh, it just shows how incredible they are and the reach that they have. Uh, in the hockey world right now. So go to helioshockey.com, use that coupon code THINKTANK to get that discount. Also want to thank icehockeysystems.com. The IHS boys are absolutely killing it right now. Go there for all of your coaching education needs. They have thousands of drills, whiteboard explanations. You can draw your drills, save them, store them, send them, whatever it may be. And we have teamed up with them for an associations platform where you can get this for every single coach within your organization. And unbelievable service. Uh, I know a ton of different organizations that are using this and it is an absolute game changer. So go to icehockeysystems.com today and look up the associations platform. And last, but certainly not least, we want to thank you, all you listeners out there that continue to support our podcast. Guys, in like three weeks, it's going to be five years on the dot of us doing this podcast. Literally five years, which is absolutely insane in the membrane, insane in the brain. And isn't that nuts, Vex? Like five years? Do you remember, Mr. Mute Man, do you remember like the initial like first episode that we did? Yeah, dude, I, I have a, a life coaching client who started a podcast a few months ago. And like, so I've been coaching her through this whole process and it's made me like go back to those times. Like Nostalgic. I remember exactly where I was our first episode. And I remember all 87 different headset Madonna <laughs> 80s microphones that I bought until we finally bought like actual, podset, actual good po- microphones. podcast microphones. <laughs> and uh you know, I just like went back and like thought about it, all of it. And I was like, wow, man, like it's actually crazy how far we've come and how long we've been doing this. Yeah. Unbelievable. And like, if you listen to the first episode and it's like, we sounded like that we were just so amateur, not to say that we're professionals now, but like, it was just amateur hour, man. It was so funny. And well, I think, yeah, I interviewed you for the first one and uh, yeah. And then we just got her going. So yeah, five years. And thank you so much to everybody that continues to listen. You know, we continue to climb up the charts and, and be one of the most listened to hockey podcasts uh, in the world. And we so appreciate everybody that uh, continues to share us. We appreciate everybody that continues to, you know, leave us reading uh, ratings and reviews and, uh, and continues to just provide us with some feedback so we can be a little bit better at what we do too. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of you. And with that, for that, we are 
listening to you today with some mailbag questions. Vex, you want to go first? I'm going to let you go first because I'm posting on the Instagram right now and tagging <laughs> Hockey Think Tank podcast that we're podcasting. So okay. you rip. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so first question that I have is, okay, this is from somebody out east and said, question for the mailbag. My 16-year-old is attending prep school this year and playing for a split season team in Massachusetts. He's not enjoying split season, having to leave campus every weekend for games and is missing weekend downtime on campus. Also having to catch up on schoolwork. He therefore is not playing up to his potential. He might be better off even not showing up. How do college scouts look at split season? How much weight do scouts who attend these put on how kids are playing? I know this isn't a question that concerns the general population of players, but maybe more specific to the group you and Vex were addressing in the recruiting pod that we put out this week. Let me know what you think. Thank you. Um, I mean, honestly, all the scouts that uh, I talk to, they're just looking for good players. They don't even care when it is. I mean, obviously, you've told me over and over that they don't put as much stock in summer hockey, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I would say that this is a question way more suitable to uh, your experience. I figured you would throw that one right back to me. Right back. I'm just going <laughs> to serve it up. Bang. Hit it right back over the net. Right back to you. Yeah. So this is a tough one, right? Because, you know, how how Minnesota is set up is very different to how Boston is set up in terms of their split seasons. And so what everybody kind of thinks about with Minnesota is during the fall, they have an elite league where they have, um, you know, teams of the best players from certain regions that play against each other in this elite league. And so they're not necessarily traveling, you know, all around. They're staying in Minnesota. They have these little showcases in, in Minnesota cities. And so that's a little bit different. Whereas out east, you know, you have these recruited kind of like split season teams that play in the fall but kids are coming from prep schools from all over the place. Right. And so, you know, kids have to get out of school and, and find a way because some of them can drive, some of them can't, you know, they have to find a way to get from their prep school in Boston or New Hampshire or wherever to wherever that tournament is. And it's just a hodgepodge of kids that are kind of together. And I don't want to say there's no coaching going on, but it's not like a, you know, cause some of the guys do a really good job of trying to create a team culture in that kind of situation. Um, so, you know, the, the, the question that you're asking, I think do college scouts, take some of that stuff into effect. I think in the fall, like Jeff said, like we're just looking for good players, you know, in, in the fall season, the summer, you know, not, not heavily um, weighted, but the fall season for sure is one where you're just looking for good players and we don't care where you're coming from. And so I think the answer to your question is like, you just got to suck it up that's the way that the market is in the Boston area with prep schools. And, and again, like, you know, the seasons start later in prep schools because forever people played multiple sports and now that just, that's not happening anymore. So now they've created these fall teams. So kids can have these, you know, showcase events and, and play hockey in the, you know, in the fall. And so I, I think that the honest reality answer is, is like, you just have to do the best in the situation that you're in and is it ideal? Absolutely not. No, it isn't. 
but at the same time, you, you just got to show up and you got to give your best and you got to perform and not make excuses because at the end of the day, all of the fall prep school teams are doing the same thing, <laughs> you know, and, and some are moving a little bit more towards full season, triple a kind of like the Mount St. Charles's and, you know, Cushing's kind of moving into a little bit of that model. A couple other schools I know are thinking about it and they're kind of following the Shattuck Select Academy type model. Um, but as of right now, as it relates to those, those out East prep schools, you just got to do the best in the situation and, and not make excuses. Fair enough. I think that's completely fair. Love that. It's, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, doing the hockey think tank and, and being a former college recruiter, I've been able to talk to so many different people all around the world about their challenges, about the strengths of where they are and every region has its different challenges and every region has its different strengths. And so no one area is perfect. And I think Minnesota probably does it best, better than everybody else. And if you look at the numbers, the numbers will, will tell you that. But again, like you have to do what's best in the situation that you're in. Focus on the things that you can control, like your attitude, your work ethic, your preparation and, and things like that. And, not worry about the circumstances. It's your decisions, not your conditions that determine your destiny. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Nail on the head. There you go, listener. Thank you for sending in the question. There we go. All right, uh, got, my, fir- my first one. I love this one. Love the show. Big fan of short shifts. Matches my attention span. <laughs> That's awesome. We made that Us show. <laughs> we make those shows for you then. Idea for topic. Lopsided games. Best way to handle at different age levels. Pass around. Shoot relentlessly. Seem like coaches do all the above. Thanks. What are your thoughts on lopsided games? Let's start with like younger ages. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, certainly at the younger ages, I think as a coach thinking about getting creative and how you can get something out of this game that you're probably not going to get something out of. So what are ways that you can potentially challenge your players so they can maybe learn something and take some kind of positive out of the situation that's going on. Right. And so you know, I think about, you know, having forwards play D and D playing forwards. I think about having a three or four pass rule before you can shoot. Um, and, and just little things like that, that can put your, your players in different situations. Um, <laughs> I, I know I've told the story a bunch of different times, but like, I'll, I'll refer back to my time with my crazy Russian coach Stan when I was a Bantam and my team regularly, with like mercy teams pretty bad on the first day and then mine being one of them yours being one of them and so he would find ways you know to to challenge us and what were some of the things that he did uh you know we played full game without a goalie five on five full games without a goalie five on five to try and challenge us because it was way more um, beneficial for us to have a competitive game where we had to try like hell to not let up any shots on goal rather than beat a team 13 to nothing, which we typically that would happen on game two. So this is like before my hockey rankings, right? Before my hockey rankings where you can schedule your games, you know, similar to the type of talent that the team that you had. And so, um, you know, we would 
beat a team up pretty good in the first game. And then the second game, Stan would always go to the other coach and say, Hey, we're going to try and do something a little bit different. Sometimes the coaches would say, no, like that's embarrassing us. Sometimes the coaches would say, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do. So we played games without a goalie, which challenged us. We played games where we played the entire game shorthanded. And so it, it challenged us. And we played games where <laughs> we would have one line uh, so for like the first period, we had nine forwards. So we had three lines and and five D. So we had basically three sets of D. And so for the first period, one of those lines and one of those sets of D would go and do dry land. And the other two lines and two sets of D would play. And then for the second period, we would switch it up where that line that was doing dry land would now put their equipment back on. They would come and play the second period and another line would go out and they would do dry land for the second period. <laughs> and then same thing for the third period, we'd, we'd switch it up. So he just tried to find different ways to challenge us. And, and I think that's the best thing that you can do is like, just get creative and find ways to make the game a little bit more difficult for your team. And with that, your kids might be able to get something out of it because they're not getting anything out of being a team, nine nothing. Um, it's not fun for that team. It's not fun for the team for the team you're playing against. And so I think that would be my answer to the question. Yeah, I love that. At the older ages, keep scoring. That's what it is. <laughs> keep scoring. Play to win uh, always and keep score at the younger ages. If you get smoked, good. It's a lesson to be learned. Um, you know, like the you learn the best lessons from the hardest times. So good. Um, but like Tove said, I agree, you know, find a way to make it more challenging so that, you know, you're not just running gun, but also like if a kid has a breakaway, like don't, I don't know, don't turn around on a breakaway or something like that. Like you don't want to, cause it's, it can be embarrassing the other way too. Um, but also I think that people also like a lot of people like get butthurt and, you know, are angry and, and all this stuff. Like if the score gets run up, but that's, that's part of sports. Sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to lose bad. Um, I think that no matter what happens, like both teams need to just like be okay with whatever happens. You know, I've seen, cause I remember when, when we played TOEF and I was on the other side of that and he was having, two lines play one line in their equipment doing dry land that we could see them from the bench doing dry land in the stands. And then they pulled their goalie for the third period and they're beating us seven, nothing. I scored our only goal empty net. What's up. Um, and uh, I remember being on the other side of that and I was young and I, you know, we, our team was super pissed um, and parents were super pissed. Uh but I, you know, obviously now I'm grown and I'm mature, like, you know, whatever happens, it's part of the game. So like parents calm down, whatever happens, happens. There you go. Yeah. Just find ways to challenge your guys or your girls. I think at the end of the day, be a little bit creative and, and give them something where they can potentially um, find a way to get a little bit better or have a little bit different perspective for the game. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. 
Please play responsibly. All right, Vex, you ready for question number two from my side? Let's hear it. Okay. So question for the mailbag. When you're thinking about a youth hockey season, in quotes, I'm thinking peewees or Banamage, do you like to build out a roadmap of skills, concepts, habits to start the year? Or do you prefer to use the first few practices to learn about the group and then build your practices after that to, to address what you see? Uh, <clears throat> I've never coached players. At, well, I guess I have, but not like extensively. But for me, it would be based off of what the players in front of me need to work on. Obviously, like I would have an overarching concept of what do these players need at this level and what do they need the next year and the year after um, to be successful. And I want to teach them all of that. Uh, but then also like where I start depends on where they currently are. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think it's always good to have a plan. And then what is it? Mike Tyson, like you can have a plan until you get punched in the mouth and then you got to adjust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so having a plan and there are some like universal things that yeah. are important to teach kids at that age or any age, you want to teach puck support. You want to make sure you're teaching them how, how to skate, play with pace, um, teaching them how to play with their head up. Um, just like little things that are universal let's call it that you can teach mites and you can teach pros <laughs> that are really really important for for development and then yeah like figuring out what the identity of your group is and and you know teaching towards the identity of the group and so um like i said it's it's always good to go in having some sort of a plan but always with the understanding that that plan can get ripped up pretty quick based on what you see and, you know, maybe you have to dial it back because some of the things that you're throwing at them are a little bit too tough. So you got to dial it back a little bit, get back a little bit more to the fundamental type stuff and slow it down. Um, or maybe you're challenging them and they're rising to the challenge. So it's like, okay, what else can I do to, to provide more challenges to these kids? Let's make it a little bit tougher for them. And, and I've said this on a few other podcast episodes recently, like what's the success rate of drills and the failure rate of drills? I think that's one thing that you really have to think about, particularly at the beginning of the year, because if a practice looks too good at the beginning of the year, you're probably not challenging them enough. There needs to be a little bit more failure. You have to get them outside of their comfort zone a little bit more. If it's really bad, <laughs> where it's really bad, where all of a sudden you're seeing kids like losing confidence and they're getting really frustrated, then maybe you need to dial it back a little bit and drop some drills that they can have a little bit more success on with the skills that you're trying to teach them. And so I think that's a good way to, to go about thinking about the plan as you're thinking about adapting it and watching your team through the first couple weeks, maybe month of the season. And, and then once you find your groove and you understand your team and you know what the strengths and weaknesses are, then you can take that plan, twist it up a little bit and, and tailor it towards that group. Love it, man. Love it. It sounds, um, the last year that I coached, which was probably like three or four years ago. Uh, I think I've told the story in the podcast before I was coaching, uh, U16 AAA we got off the ice and it was just a terrible practice. The boys were so bad. And I looked at my, my head coach, Mike Barra, who we've had on the podcast. And I was like, well, we might lose every game this year, but we <laughs> got things that we like know we rattled can off a ton of wins. Right. Yeah. Well, and I was like, but you know, we're just gonna have to, we talked about, we're just going to go like hammer fundamentals. And like, we're not going to worry about the score for the first, like two months we said, and we're just going to like keep the same pr uh, uh, plan in place once we created it. Yeah. And we wound up being like the hottest team at U16 AAA in the country the last 12 games of the year going nice. into uh, 
regionals or nationals, but then uh, COVID was faked. So uh, we didn't even get to go to those things. So the season ended, but it was, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. I like it, man. All right. What you got next? All right. So the next question I have from our dear listeners right here, who I really like this one thoughts on the Michigan becoming a realistic behind the net play, like a wraparound. So I'm guessing this person meant like uh, more like it's, it's used more and more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be to the, like the, amount of times it being done like the wraparound because it's 50 times harder to accomplish, but I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, obviously it's kind of like the four minute mile, right? Do you know that story about the four minute mile? Mm -hmm. So nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. Nobody can do it for years and years and years and years and years and years. And then one person did it. And then right after that, tons of people could do it. And it was just like that little mental hurdle that people couldn't get past this four minute mile hurdle. But then one, once one person did it, now everybody's like, oh, it's not impossible. It's doable. And then a lot of people ended up accomplishing it. I feel like it's very similar with the Michigan where nobody did it. Like Mike Legg did it in what, the 90s in the NCAA tournament. And then nobody really did it. Like, and people actually, you know what, that might be false because people might've done it, but there was no social media. So nobody could see that anybody did it. So many mm. people did. Um, but now that it's like a lot more visible and people can see it and stuff, I think people are understanding that it's a lot more doable. And so, yeah. And, and yeah, it's hard and, and try it, man. Like if you're in a youth game and you get that opportunity, absolutely try it. I don't see oh. anything wrong with that. Like, is it going to be the best? Like, make here's what I will say make the best play. If that's not the best play, don't be an idiot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, like, tr like, if you're behind the net and there's no pressure and, and, you know, you got a little bit of time and the D isn't really like, um, you know, going on yet, or you're coming around the net and you're kind of by yourself and there's nobody to pass to, then absolutely try it. And you're seeing it more and more and more and more. People are executing on it. And, I, I don't see why there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's going to be like the wraparound and its success rate, but you know, more and more people are scoring doing it. So Dude, did I tell you, I tried doing it on a TV game in college hockey in 2000 sophomore year, 2006, 2005. And how, and how did it go? I scored, but this is, yeah, you yeah, know, but it's no, no, no. I scored, but I, I didn't score on the Michigan. So I stopped behind the net. Yeah. I stopped behind the net and it's a TV game. And I know that. And I'm like, at home? I'm doing at home against Lurgy, you know, my roommate from juniors who I yeah, absolutely who, love. The top of the net is. Yeah. Is open on him. Even if he's standing up, the top of the net's open, you know? <laughs> and so I'm like, I, and I'm like, I, I don't know why I stopped behind the net. It might've been a power play or something. And, uh, I, I, stopped and I tried to pick it up and I pulled it and rolled off my stick right through like the, the soft area to the side of the net kind of around like the dot. And for some reason, like nobody touched it. So I sprinted out after it and I turned around and just whacked the puck as hard as I could. And it I found eyes and it went in. And so like, I tell everybody, yeah, well, you know, I tried the, the Michigan in college hockey. And I scored, but I did not score on the Michigan. I lost the buck. Obviously, I don't have that skill in my game. And then just whacked at it and somehow found a way into the net. So, yeah, I, but I agree. I've, I've coached uh, a couple midget teams and two kids. I've seen two kids on my midget team 
score the goal doing the Michigan. And so, and, and you see it when you're, you're coaching in that level, you see it like once every couple games, somebody will try it. And yeah. yeah, I don't see there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I love it. It'll never be as, uh, as effective, efficient as a wraparound or as, as oftenly used. Um, but yeah, when I was playing in Russia, we had a, we had a guy who we played against in playoffs score on it twice, the same guy in the no same way. playoff games. Yes. Yeah. Not the same game. He tried it twice in the same game. The second time somebody whacked him in the face, but then he scored in Russia. Um, cause he scored, tried it again, missed. So our Russian guy who was on our team whacked that guy in the face. And then the next game we played them in Russia, he did it and scored again. This guy just loved the Michigan. Yeah. yeah. He was an amazing golf Ball by a whacker guy. Yeah. Talk to my neighbor, the accountant. Yeah. Uh, okay. You ready for the next question? Hi. This one is very broad. What is the biggest problem in youth hockey today? Very broad question. Dude. Oh my God. Like so many, I had like so many <laughs> one word answers. Just go bop, 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 bop. <laughs> Uh, over over professionalization, over sports uh, uh, specificity too early within the hockey world, very big. Uh, people making it about money instead of human development, citizen development, child development, athletic development, just development in general. Um, parents who are crazy coaches who are crazy organizations who are crazy traveling way too much at way too young of an age, uh, cost. Um, I don't know. Those are, those would be my one. Rattled off like 10. Yeah. Just off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'd be my answer. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I it, like the crazy thing about it is that, and it's not just youth hockey, it's youth sports in general, youth sports model of development is completely backwards to how kids actually develop. It's literally like the exact opposite. Play multiple sports? Nope, we're going to specialize too early. Keep the cost down? Nope, we're going to make it more expensive. Um, you know, play multiple I think I just said it. Play multiple sports, early sports specialization. Uh, there's so many different things. You know, practice more? No, play more games. Um, and, and I could rattle off like, 15 other things that youth sports de quote unquote development model is. And if you look at the research on how kids develop, there are so many things that are the exact opposite. And so what's the problem? I hear, I'll ask you, why is that? Why is it backwards? Why is literally the way to develop kids by every researcher that has multiple degrees, you know, and, and understands what youth development is? Why is the youth sports model the opposite to that today? FOMO. And? Money. And? I don't know. <laughs> what am I missing? I would say adult ego. I would say. Oh, so oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's right? up there. And so, you know, we're, we're so wrapped up in, you know, rankings and we're so wrapped up in you know, winning and, and, and guys like you've heard us say this all the time. We always put an asterisk to that because Vex and I hate to lose and Vex and I know what the value of winning is, but not when it comes at, at the, 
you know, the, the detriment of development. And so like adult ego, it, it drives the costs way up. Adult ego makes sports specialization uh, way too early. It makes professionalization way too early. Like it's, yeah, like you said, it's, it's money, it's, it's adult ego and, and that plagues our sports. And that is why the hockey think tank was founded and the hockey think tank exists because of the problems that are plaguing our sport and are sending our families into a tizzy. And we exist to help educate people on what real development looks like. And we exist to bring a little bit of sanity to this insane youth hockey world. And it's amazing, Vex, like when I travel around and, and I talk to different parent groups, when I travel around and, and talk with different, you know, coaching, uh, coaching groups with youth organizations and stuff, um, the, it's almost like the weight of the world is lifted off their shoulders because somebody was speaking with them and hearing them rather than feeding them something that's going to put money in, in the person's pockets. And so I, I, I just think that what we're doing is so freaking important because at the end of the day, the only thing that can beat this stuff is education. The only thing that can beat this stuff in edu- is education. And, and the crazy part about it, and I say this all the time, like 95 to 99% of people in the youth hockey world are great people. But this machine that has been created, it, it makes people nuts. And, and, you know, it makes people confused and it makes people anxious. And I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about the parents. I'm talking about the coaches. And because of that, it it trickles down to the kids too. Right. And so, um, it's going to take a Herculean effort to, to change this culture. That's what we're doing here at the hockey think tank. That's what we're doing here with this podcast. And, you know, I would encourage like, and I'm telling you, I'm not trying to like sell myself here, but like, when I've gone around and and spoken to all these different groups, it just provides a perspective where people are like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Somebody else thinks this way that, you know, has some stake in the game and, and, and understands and has been in it. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've had a really, really, really great time in collaborating and learning and speaking to so many different people all around the world, trying to figure this crazy problem out of how to fix the sport and, and not just sport, but fix all of youth sports. Cause if you talk to anybody in baseball or soccer or basketball or any other sport, it's the same stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy, but you have to come at it with a solutions oriented approach. Like don't just vent. Don't just be pissed off that this is the way things are like, do something about it. Do something, do something, you know, that's ultimately at the end of the day, what's going to change things. You can't change things just by thinking about it. You you change things by action and we need more people to take some action. Hell yeah. All right. Got a good one here. Best way to help teen with hockey sense knowing where to be on the ice for his position? Uh, play a lot of games in, uh, in, I mean, it, it's different for different ages. Right. Um, but I would say as a whole play a lot of games where there's, you know, stuff for puck support, 
puck support games for me is one of the best ways to teach hockey sense. Also like have the kids watch NHL games, watch, watch hockey. I think that's a, a big piece of it and, and have them focus in on maybe a player that they model their game after, you know, if you're living in Chicago um, you know, if you're a skilled skilled player, like watch Connor Bedard, you know, if you're a, a big physical player, watch a Corey Perry. Um, you know, if you're a, um, skilled defenseman, watch this kid, Kevin Korczynski, who is a, a stud first round player that's going to play for the Hawks for a long time. And I think that's a way to, to really do that too. And, and I th- think teaching through video is, is really important. Like watching, watching, um, you know, different things from your team and from the weekend and going through video. When I was a youth coach, I, I tried to do that a lot because I think a lot of kids just because screens are in their face all the time or video learners. Um, that's kind of how they've been taught. And so doing a lot of video as a team or individual video, I think can really help too. I love it. I was going to say, yeah, the same thing. Well, I was going to say, watch, watch hockey, the NHL, whoever, and have him, laser in and focus in on uh whoever plays his position and like just watch where they go on the ice just like watch what they do just that one guy don't watch anybody else like just watch that one guy where's the puck where's that guy what's he doing and do that for like a whole period with all the different players that play his position um and then obviously watch his own games like make him watch his own games and then kind of compare and contrast and look at the little things like which way are the toes pointed on the skates on the players in the nhl in the d zone and the o zone you know if they're f3 f1 whatever it is guarding their point man center down low like where's their head going what what are their eyes doing and then watch his game and then do the same thing have him do the same thing you know where's your head where should you be where are you um you know that type of thing and and another thing too is you know, like a lot at the older levels, coaches give players like packets, uh, um, you know, or now it's online where it's like, this is our four check. This is our other four check. These are our face offs. This is our D zone coverage. If his coach does not do that yet, you know, it's not a problem, but he can go and ask the coach with a notebook in his hand, like, where should I be in the D zone if the puck's here, if the puck's here, offensive zone, those kind of things and have them ask and write it down so he can go home and then look at it. You know, like, don't be bashful. Don't be shy. If he's not getting it, find a way, you know, there is a way for him to get it. It's just got to be whatever connects with his brain. So try everything you can coach video, watching other hockey players, all those things. Um, and hopefully one of them sticks and then keep working at that one. And, and I would say another thing is make your practices as game-like as possible. So with the drills that you're doing, is this something that the kids are going to see in, in a game? And you, when you talk about hockey sense, you know, in, in a sense, you're talking about practice to game transfer and understanding how to take concepts from the practice and be able to execute them in the game. And so how you do that is you make your practices and you make your drills um, where players are having to make decisions that they're going to see in the game. I think that's a big one because um, don't just do mindless drills <laughs> that, you know, kids aren't going to face in, in a game. You put them in situations that they're going to see all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. I think that's a big one too. So uh, ready for my next question? Hi. Okay. What is your favorite conditioning drill that's not a bag skate, like a, 
uh, I'm assuming like a disciplinary, we sucked over the weekend and we're putting the pucks away. So the way that I kind of see this is like a drill that like really gets the heart rate up, really gets the pace up and, and is good for conditioning, but you're also like getting something out of it. Any battle drill. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I really like, I really like the ones where it's, you know, D men are at the blue line, two D men in front, uh, four words are in the corners. So forwards are in the corners, D men are in the corners. And then there's one or two D men up at the blue line forward in the corner passes at a pop simple drill d man walks the line gets a shot while f1 from the corner who passed it goes and battles the first d then on the whist and they bet they play it out and they battle and they battle hard if the puck is anywhere near them it's a battle to the death i want someone dying but not but almost <laughs> and then whistle other side now that f2 passes it up to the other d or the same d who just keeps sliding over walk to the middle. Now it's a two on two battle in front. So picks screens, pushing each other. I want to see some blood, but without the blood, but almost with the blood. And then maybe there's a third one that happens and you pass it up the D to D shot. One guy's open probably. And there's two guys battling hard. Um, and then maybe you turn that somehow now into three on two, whether it's pop the puck out, you go down three on two, or maybe you just regroup and come back in those three on those same 2D again so that everybody's just getting murdered all at once. Um, any battle drill like that, I love those. I know you do. I do yeah. too. Those are fun. Yeah. Uh, I would say that like you can find creative ways to to do these kinds of things in like any drill, even if you like to start the practice off with like some flow stuff, like after you shoot the puck, stop in front of the net and you have to sprint back to your line. Oof. Yep. Little things like that can get the heart rate up and potentially increase, you know, the conditioning of, of your team. I think the best drills for conditioning are transition track drills where you're going on offense and then boom, you have to stop and you have to go back as hard as you can on defense or the opposite. Like you're going back on defense and then boom, you got to jump up in the play. And one of my favorites, it's a podcast. So I will try my best um, this was a staple that we had at Cornell every Thursday, and we did it a lot um, at Michigan too this past year. And it starts off where everybody is on one side of the ice, and you have um, you know forwards in the corner, D at the blue line, and then D at the other blue line, and forwards in the other corner, all on the same side of the ice, like the bench side, let's call it. Okay, so it starts off a one on one. So one forward and one D will go down one on one. And then after a shot or something happens, the coach will blow a whistle and it'll activate the next two guys from the other side. You know, the forward will go up and the D will go back. But the forward that just went, he now has to slam on the brakes and he has to get back and back check the full length of the ice to get back. The D that just took that one-on-one, he has to stop and he's trying to jump up in the play to make it a two-on-one. Right. So he's trying Offensively. to that forward up the ice offensively. And then it just keeps going two on two, back two on two, back two on two, back two on two, back oh. two on two. It's, it's such a good hidden bag drill, but it's such a good drill because you're teaching communication, especially like the D has to read where the offensive players are and how much pressure the, the tracker has coming back. And so he's got to be the general and he's got to talk. 
Hey, two on one, like, or, you know, if that guy gets back, then I'm taking this guy, you take that guy. And then boom, all of a sudden the whistle blows and that D he's first three steps hard right up the ice. And it just, it's a continuous drill. Boom, 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 back and forth. And the boys are breathing hard, hard. (laughs) And then a progression you can do with that too, is it can be a, it starts as a two on one. So you have two forwards go, right? So it starts as a two on one for that first rep of the drill. And then when you blow the whistle, that D is jumping up in the play with the, the next two forwards that are going and the two forwards that just went on offense, they got a back check. So it's like two on one back three on three and then three on three, three on three, three on three, three on three. So uh staple even drill, less rest time even with less those the forwards, three right? on three same yep. for the D, but like um, who cares about the D absolute hidden back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you always get roasted in those drills too. Cause no, the D only... love that drill because they get to get up in the play. Yeah. They're the ones once... that are scoring the goals, man. But in those drills where, well, if it starts going two on two, there's only three of them, you know, three groups of two on two. And then yeah, it's, it's like whole, and there's, and then, and then the D always go play. Oh, oh we got to go so much. Yeah. In games, you don't, yeah. Chill out guys. You can play 27 <laughs> minutes a game. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry for having more reps for you in practice. <laughs> My bad. All right, what do you All got? right. Love that. Okay, I think I have one more here. Hold okay. on. Let me go to my telephone device. Okay. Last one. My, my, my telephone. Little little uh, Lady Gaga action. Oh wow. Yeah, I haven't heard that one in a minute. Um this is the last one I got. Should you do drills and team concepts such as breakouts with token pressure? Yes. Yeah, I would. I would say. I would say <laughs> you should do it with all different types of pressure. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know the the, the old saying is pretty much every answer is it depends because there's nuance to everything. But if we were going to do that quickly, I would say like you know when you're starting with a new team, maybe you start with no pressure, then you start with token pressure then it's you know one guy is hard second guy is token then it's you know whatever systems guys play a lot in your league uh, teams play a lot in your league then maybe it's you go into their actual four check and then it's all out it's just a progression the progression that's right uh, no i think you answered it perfectly at uh, pressure creates diamonds <laughs> right and right like a diamond <laughs> Ooh, we got the music going Lord. rihanna that's rihanna right that's riri Steph's like, oh my God, I'm editing that out. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the same length. Yeah. I, yeah, I think again, it kind of goes back to like, what are you trying to get out of the drill? Mm. Are you trying to have a lot of success with the drill and, and just kind of go through feel through reps where you're having a little bit less pressure and then you're progressing maybe to a little bit more pressure, a little bit more pressure, a little bit more pressure. You can, you can break it down too, um, you know, into just a typical retrieval for a defenseman where there's token pressure from the coach. And we were just talking about this the other day. I can't even remember who I was talking to, but we were talking about, you know, placing a puck in the corner and then the coach comes up and he puts his stick on one side and the defenseman has to look over his shoulder and realize where the stick pressure is coming from. And then they got to use some deception to go that way and then boom, go the other way. Like there's so many different little things that you can break down a breakout to. And same thing with like wingers getting rims on the walls particularly at the older ages, you know, you want to do some reps where they're just getting some feel through reps where they're just kind of timing it and 
they're able to gain some confidence and then you add some pressure coming from the middle or you add some pressure coming down from the D and you know, now you got to get your ass out and protect the puck. Like you can break those things down into really fundamental things per, per, per position and then add some more pressure to it and then make it, you know, even more game like where you're, you're doing a two on two or, or, you know, even five on working it up to a five on five. So um, it, it depends on what you're trying to get out of the drill how much pressure you're putting on. Love it. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, okay. I got one more question. Okay. Better be good. Of course it's going to be good. It's from our listener. How dare you? <laughs> okay. Uh, this is a, this is a fun one. Uh, what is one of your favorite hockey memories and why? Oh, I mean, the easiest one would obviously be playing my first ever pro game. I mean, no doubt. Another one, playing my first ever NHL preseason game, playing my first ever college game, first ever junior game. But since we've talked about all of those throughout yeah. this podcast throughout the years, I want to talk about one where I don't know if I've ever talked about it. Sure. When Tof and I were growing up, nobody wore belts in hockey yet. They weren't a thing yet. Everybody wore suspenders when we were young. They were, we, everybody oh, had like on the hockey pants, like on your hockey pants, yeah, 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 belts yeah. weren't a thing yet. Like when we were really young, I think the first time I, I got pants where a couple of kids in the locker room started going suspenders off and using the belt only, I was like, okay, man, well, dad, I want to use a belt. The cool kids are wearing belts and the belt, like they would, they would tie it real tight and they would let the belt like excess hang off. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be like the cool guys on the team. I'm going to get a belt. My dad was like, I wear suspenders, refing, like where's smell? I'm like, I want the belt. So I get the belt. I think I was a squirt, maybe a peewee. And I get on a breakaway and my glove hit the belt clasp, popped it open. And my pants fell down on the breakaway. I didn't fall, but the guy obviously caught me. Like they fell fast. My pants were way too big. Like, way too big i wasn't filling them out yet and pants dropped right to the ice i literally had to stop striding i was just gliding the guy caught me took the puck and everyone could see my yellow iTech jock in the stands and it was so embarrassing And anybody our age knows what that yellow iTech yeah everybody who played hockey knows what that yellow iTech cup jock velcro loose short system was that we used to rock back in the day yeah. So I, I, I'll never forget that. It's a pretty funny memory for me. That is so funny. I, yeah. well, I feel like I have to do something similar to that now. And so let me just think for one second. I think I, I have like a, a, a funny equipment one. So when I was younger and so I, and actually I, I love this and I think you don't actually agree with me on this, but like, I think kids like should be carrying their own bags into the rink and parents should be carrying their bags in the rink and be responsible for your equipment. Oh yeah. That, maybe, no. maybe that's the, the better way. Like kids totally should be responsible agree with for their equipment. Right. Yeah. And so my parents always kind of did that with me. And there was one time where I was responsible for my equipment, but for whatever reason, I thought my parents were responsible for putting my stuff in the car. So I, I don't know. I'm like eight, maybe nine, maybe 10. I was probably like 15, but let's just say same height. like eight, nine, 10. I was probably the same height. Yes. Um, and so I, I take my equipment outside and I put it behind the car. 
and just thinking that my parents are going to put it in the trunk. And so I get in the car and not even thinking about anything. And then my mom gets in the car and she backs up and <laughs> just ran over my equipment. So like all my equipment was run over. Luckily, the only thing that was like destroyed beyond repair was my helmet. Like everything else was like good enough to like not have to buy new shit. But yeah, my helmet was it took the brunt of it. And so for all you kids out there, for all you parents, number one, like your kid should be in charge of their equipment. You know, oh, I, you're going to say for all you parents out there, look behind your car before you reverse. <laughs> no, well, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe they should. Um, but yeah, like, so it's just really funny. I, I'll never forget that. My mom like looked at me like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Dude, <laughs> I did got to be kidding. I did something almost identical. I when I was in sixth grade, we were supposed to go get my skate sharpen before practice. So I put my skates behind the minivan wheel, like laying against the wheel. I took them out of my bag, set them on the ground, and Wait, leaning what? against the wheel. Why would I do this? You ask? <laughs> yeah. Not like on the side. So if you're walking to the car, like to get in, you could see them. Like I set them behind the wheel, like leaning on the wheel. And we We'll go in reverse and we were running late. Like we didn't have time to stop at the, the skate sharpening shop. And so just, and I was like, Oh my God, except the steel on my skates looked like a rabid dog with the strongest teeth ever chewed the blade. So I go out there, I get on the ice and my steel, like I couldn't skate. I had to get off and miss practice so that I'm crying and, and whatever, you know, I'm like, and my mom's like, well, that was your fault. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> and so I never did it again. So I, you wanna, I did the you same thing. You want to hear another funny equipment story? And yes. Actually, it's not necessarily an equipment story, but it, like you should have seen when I got to Cornell. So Cornell has always been known, and especially when I got there in the early 2000s, as being big, like big, big, big teams. Dude, I don't think they realized how small I was. You should have seen the size of my jersey. Oh my God. Hilarious. Dude. It was like down to my knees. <laughs> and so like, I had never, ever tucked in my jersey before, but I'm like, I have to tuck my jersey in, you, you know? And tuck. so you did like the Gretzky one side. You didn't oh, like tuck the tough. whole thing in, you know, yeah, but I, I had to, like, I had to tuck my jersey in or else it was like, it was like messing with my hands. Yeah. Because I would be yeah. like trying to stick handle or shoot and my elbow would get caught in the freaking jersey. Yeah. Dude, we did that for like a fan appreciation night jersey or something in the AHL one time, and all the jerseys came out so big. I think I did like a full tuck. I went like 360 tuck in the AHL. <laughs> it was ridiculous because this jersey they gave me was massive, and my hands were bad enough in that league. So like every time I try to stick handle, they get caught in my jersey, and I'm like, here we go, full tuck. Actually, that's a pretty interesting question. When you were playing pro hockey, what was the best like – jersey night jersey that you had where they were like oh dude it's actually so cool i just looked at it uh two days ago because my parents are moving and they just dropped off all of my jerseys that they had in their basement and it was my first pro game actually i signed uh um and the next weekend was saint patrick's day and so in providence um the first pro game i ever played in the ahl 
was uh St. Patrick's Day jersey and it's like this really cool looking like leprechaun with like a missing tooth inside the spoked pea and it was a green and white and yellow jersey and it's so dope and my parents couldn't get to the game um but they wound up buying my jersey at the auction I don't think they told me right away or something and so I have my first ever jersey where I scored my first pro goal my first pro assist got the first star um, so like that, that's a really cool one for me. Yeah, that is How about you. I, I think the, like the funniest Jersey that we had was, do you remember when Bud Light Lime was a big thing? Yeah. In like, I don't know, maybe 2000. Well, it obviously would have been somewhere around like 2009, 2010. Cause I was yeah. playing for Rio Grande Valley. And yeah. so we had like Bud Light Lime jerseys <laughs> and they were absolutely hilarious. You know, that's just like Some of these bright, teams, bright green. Yeah. Like, yeah. so eyesore yeah. and you have stuff. matching socks too oh for sure yeah yeah matching nasty. socks and some stuff. of them come up with some really cool ones i've seen like star wars nights in the echl Dude, that the best are that I've awesome seen, the best that i've seen are like the ugly sweaters oh so it's good. like ugly sweater jerseys yeah so good so for christmas good. yeah and and you know the uh, we just had a guy on the podcast actually who i think <laughs> can make jerseys Corey from humble hockey so if anybody out there is looking to make like fun jerseys and, and you haven't heard that podcast i think we did it two episodes ago yeah uh cory from humble hockey so go to humblehockey.com and reach out to Corey because he's a beauty how about um yeah so actually speaking of rio grande so when i was playing down there they had this thing where if we scored a power play goal it was dollar beers for the next like 10 minutes oh my god and so it was so awesome. funny. So we would score a power play goal and the freaking like we would get everybody like 4, leave <laughs> or out 4,000 people a game down there. And, you know, it was a pretty good crowd. And then we would score a power play goal and then it would be like empty <laughs> for the next 10 minutes. You'd see people flying down the stairs. You guys the lose aisles. the tilt when you score, unlike every other team. It's hilarious. Yeah. And and like the best part, like they would get so pissed if we like didn't score a power play goal. You know, like, oh, oh my God. You know, you're costing funny. me whatever eight bucks or yeah. you're buying two beers, however much it is. A thousand. So pretty funny. How about last question here? first fight story what was your first fight do you remember uh, uh the first ever hockey fight i got in was in a spring league in st louis when i was a teenager um but like then the real f- hockey fight yeah like real like drop my gloves um gotcha. i was on the nca rink in chesterfield in the summer i remember that the second real hockey fight i ever got in was actually my first year playing juniors and it was in practice with an older guy and uh yeah and uh see the story's hilarious i told this yesterday to somebody asking me about that um so i'm a a rookie in the ushl 17 years old trust me guys story's worth it and we had a game a weekend where we didn't play well we probably won and just didn't like play well enough for for hastings expectations which is fine um and uh the youngest guy on the team named Nick Schaus messed up a drill. So he made Nikki stand on the boards while the whole team bag skated for five wow. minutes, five straight minutes. He stood on the boards while we all bag skated, blows a whistle. We're going to do this drill, this drill, this drill. And he wrote up like three drills in a row that were like super complicated just because he wanted us to mess up and, and bag us like for sure. No doubt about it. So I'm the first guy in line, mess up the drill. So now he tells everybody to get on the benches except me. And I bag skate for five minutes by myself. 
And That's he's better sca- than having to watch the rest of the team bag. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I would rather that. Uh, I wouldn't rather having him skate up and down the ice yelling in my ear. Do you want to quit? Do you want to quit? I'll send you home. I'll send you home right now. Say the word. Your, your hockey career is over. I'll send you home right now. Because back then in the USHL, you couldn't cut or trade high school age players. If they came to your team and they were in high school, they weren't allowed to trade you unless it was some kind of crazy circumstance or cut you. Um, or at least it was like heavily, heavily frowned upon. So nobody did it. And so like, he really wanted to cut me and he literally skated up and down the ice for five minutes, screaming at me while my teammates all watch this. And I was like holding back tears, you know, and he's like, quit, quit. You're a pretender. You're just going in my ear. So then we blow the whistle after five minutes, we go down and we do a battle drill. And the first guy that hits me, I shed my shit and I threw 5,000 punches in two seconds. I've never, I just pretended it was Hastings face for sure. I've never thrown so many punches so fast in my whole life. I absolutely pumped this guy, two black eyes. We have a team party the next day. He shows up with the, or that night, he's got the black eyes there already. He got tripped the next morning. Oh no. Yeah got traded the next morning, but let's take the story even a little bit further. So he got traded to Des Moines Buccaneers. Who was the guy? He's a big guy too. Travis Anderson. Super nice guy. Oh yeah. Super nice guy. Big D man, like way bigger than me and older than me. Minnesota, I believe. And he had a good, he he wound up having a good career. He played, he played pro and he played at Mankato or somewhere, I believe. While you're Um, telling the story, I'll look it up. Okay. So we played Des Moines who gets traded to the rest of that year. And I'm trying, and I'm trying to fight him because I thought I was sweet because I won my my first like real, real fight and absolutely murdered him. And he wouldn't fight me the rest of that year. So the next year, I uh, I asked him the whole year to fight, you know, and he's bigger than me. He's older than me. He's but stronger than me. I just thought I was sweet. Then I got cocky and I learned my lesson real quick because he did <laughs> say yes at a Des Moines game in Des Moines one time. So I come in and I had just won a fight before this one in training camp recently where I absolutely pumped this guy, broke his nose, first left jab. I faked, faked the right, threw a left jab, popped his head back, and I threw seven unguarded down the pipe. Seventh one went through his face, exploded this kid's nose. So I'm thinking I'm tough again. And uh, so I asked Travis to fight. He says, yes, we pop off the helmet, square up. I'm thinking I'm sweet. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the fake the jab, fake the right, throw the jab thing. I fake the right, throw the jab. He like just like sidesteps it and hit me with the hardest punch I've ever been hit with to this day in my whole life. Didn't see it coming unguarded. My nose was all the way across my face. I had to get surgery to put my nose back in place. And he hit me one more time on the way down. Like I'm like, dude, I wish I had like my old phone that had the picture on it my nose was across my face and I had to go to school for a day with my nose across my face, walk <laughs> through the hallways. Uh, so I never went into a fight cocky ever again. So that that's the long tail of that story. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He got, yeah, he, he got me back, man. He got me back good, but I won that first fight and threw so many punches. It was actually, I wish I had a video of it. So you were kind of rage throwing and and in his yeah. fight that he won, he was kind of rage throwing. For sure. For sure. He got me back. And good for him, man. Good for him. That's that's hilarious. Yep. Wow. Nose still doesn't work since that fight, too. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, hear, yeah, Travis. You broken noses, but <laughs> yeah. elbows and sticks, not not punches, thankfully. But yeah, I, I would I, I tell people that I'm like 
one and three in fights in my career. There we go. I got beat up pretty good once and then kind of tied, you know, the the other ones. So, yeah. Boom. Yeah. No wins though. It's, it's better than being zero and four. That's true. That's true. My first fight, it was so funny. My first fight was, uh, so now they have the USHL fall classic when we were playing, it was called the buck bowl. Remember the buck bowl? Yeah. So it was in pumped a guy there. Oh, you're going pumped a guy. Yeah, I did. (laughs) And so I remember, you know, I was a younger kid playing junior hockey and, you know, I kind of got tied up with a guy. It was like right by our bench and how they used to do it, it was kind of similar to today where they like all the youth teams would like go and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they would play and then everybody would come to the, the junior game. But particularly they didn't schedule any youth hockey games or midget games during the Des Moines game. So Des Moines always had like a, a feature game at night and, you know, we were playing them. So I was young. So I was people my age that were in the league so all the guys i grew up playing with and playing against were like at that game and i just remember you know i got tied up with a guy by our bench and we kind of like shove each other or whatever and then all of a sudden his clubs come off and his helmet comes off i'm like oh boy oh boy here we go this is happening right now so i like throw my gloves down and i just know that like everybody i've ever played hockey with or against is at this game and i'm like i better do well here and i had no idea what i was doing zero clue whatsoever what I was doing, but I'm like, all right, this is happening. You know, take, take the helmet off. And as you're trying to take your helmet off, like I was young, so I had to wear a cage. Right. And so I'm like trying to futz with my, my cage to like get it off and it's not coming off. And I'm like, just so frazzled. And then finally I end up getting it off and we fight and it wasn't like a great fight or anything like that. But I just remember the one thing that people don't understand who don't play hockey about fights is like how taxing they are like your heart rate gets so elevated and the longer it goes. So like when you go and like you're running on just pure adrenaline. So then when you get back to the, to the penalty box, like you feel like you're going to have a heart attack. Yeah. That's crazy. Your like heart is beating so freaking fast because of all the adrenaline. And uh, yeah, I just remember sitting in the penalty box, you know, and it's a, you know, packed house at Des Moines, right? Yeah. There's not an empty seat. And I'm just like, wow. (laughs) I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> That's awesome. So cool. There's nothing like your first fight. Like I, I uh, shouldn't even say this, but I'm gonna say it anyways because it's our podcast, and I'll do what I want. Uh, I think everybody needs to be punched in the face once in their life. Like I just, I really do. I mean, I believe. I, don't, I 100% believe that. I, yeah. I hope there's no damage or anything like that. But I think uh, kids need to be punched in the face once in their life, or they need to get in a scuffle or a fight when they're in elementary school or middle school or something. And we don't need it to go past that for sure. But like, I think it teaches humility and and. Uh, yeah, if you're acting up and you're being an idiot, you, there's yeah, consequences. Bop. Yeah, bop. You deserve to get bopped. Like I did. <laughs> I was going to say, like we both did. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, cool. Like great podcast mailbag episode. Thank you to everybody who threw their questions out there for us. We love you guys and we can't wait to see you next week. And uh, we'll have some fun stuff for you next week too. So appreciate it. Have a great week and adios. Amigos.